0: Open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Let's find ourselves an introductory text of Scripture and go back to John chapter 8 and deal with just a few verses there. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Verse 26. Let's get verse 25 for the context of the he and him. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This is Antioch of Syria, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Barnabas has brought Saul there. This becomes Saul's home church and where his membership was. And every time after he would be on a preaching trip, he would come back to Antioch and recount with them what the Lord had done with him and through him, first Barnabas and then with Silas, with the Gentiles. But the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch, the followers of Christ, little Christ, based on their changed lives. They were called Christians by those outside the church addressing them as Christians because of following in the sect of the Nazarenes. Paul was accused of being in the sect of the Nazarenes. Jesus of Nazareth was a Nazarene, not a denominational Nazarene, but a Nazarene because he grew up in Nazareth. He was not a Nazarite. John the Baptist may have been a Nazarite, but the Lord Jesus Christ was a Nazarene, and it was a sect, and Paul was described in the book of Acts as being a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. We don't mind being called heretics, as Aaron shared a passage in Acts chapter 24, nor do we mind being part of a sect that follows the Lord Jesus Christ, nor do we mind being called Christians. The Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen. We have a first name that's your personal identifier. You have a family name that identifies your family. And then we have the name Christian that identifies us as part of the family of God. And a brother of the lord jesus christ and the disciples the disciples were called christians first in antioch let's go to john chapter 8 john chapter 8 and some of the verses that you read last evening in preparation at the end or in the middle of your reading let's deal with them we were going to begin dealing at verse 21 which we will next lord's day it's an exchange a continued exchange between jesus and the Jews, he says something, they pick on it, they misunderstand it, he says something again, they pick on it, they misunderstand it, and so it's back and forth again, like it was in verses 13 through 19 of the same chapter. I want to come down past that exchanging back and forth and see a result that isn't much of a result. And the result is verse 30, and I'm going to read through verse 33. And he, as, as he spake these words, John chapter 8 and verse 30, as he spake these words, this is our Lord Jesus Christ, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Amen and amen. Amen. Due to the time, we're going to focus on these verses for a few minutes and we will take up the context surrounding them and the verses leading to these next Lord's Day. As he spake these words, as Jesus answered the Jews and said things to them they had never heard before, as he honored his Father, who was with him and had not left him alone, and that everything he taught, he had been taught by his Father, and he was on a divine mission from heaven, and that he would be lifted up, which described his death of the cross in these verses, and if they did not believe on him... and and did not submit themselves to him, they would die in their sins in at least two respects. The Romans would grind them under in the destruction of Jerusalem, and they would die in their sins in the great day of judgment because they were neglecting the Lord of glory and showing by that that they were blinded, lost, perishing men. But here in verse 30, we have the words, many believed on him. An interpretive choice has to be made. Are these the same as those in verse 33? In verse 33, we have a plural pronoun, they. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. We have to make an interpretive choice. How will we interpret and apply this passage? A simple connection of pronouns leads us to the fact that these are the same. Because in verse 30, as he spake these words, many, we've got a plurality of so-called believers in verse 30. Then said Jesus to those Jews, that same plurality that supposedly or so-called believed on him, he said these words, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. We have a coordinating conjunction opening the 32nd verse, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So to whom did he address verses 31 and 32? To those that supposedly believed on him. They answered him. Why in the world would we change that plural pronoun they to some other antecedent that we can't find in the immediate context? Why would we want to change it? The reason that men don't want to change it, they can't believe... That believers aren't really believers. They can't believe that believers will kill Jesus inside of two minutes or want to kill Jesus inside of two minutes when it's the Lord of glory poking them with terminology that he chose full well knowing how they would respond. He knew every response before they gave it. He knew what was in their hearts and minds before he said it yet he would say things right here that would provoke them. Notice their response in verse 33 to his statement, ye shall be free, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, if you'll continue in my word. We be Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. What are you talking about us becoming free? They were so carnally minded, they did not have a clue about salvation. Jesus is going to explain that the bondage I'm talking about is not political bondage, civil bondage. It is sin bondage. And he says so in verse 34. Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And if you just progress down this passage, which you did last evening in your preparatory reading, you find out that we don't get very far. And Jesus is explaining, Abraham is not truly your father in the most important way. And that is him being the father of the faithful, because you don't have any. And God is not your father because you're not acting like God would have his children act. Ye are of your father, the devil. In verse 44, you do not understand my speech, because you cannot even hear my word. Their ears could hear the audible noises, and they could understand the words in the sense of a carnal reception of them, but of a spiritual comprehension of them, they had none. And Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, and you believe me not. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. That's verse 47, and that's where you ended last evening we make the interpretive choice that there is no grammatical reason, starting out with this fact, there's no grammatical reason to change the antecedent of these pronouns in verses 31, 2, and 3. The they, the plural pronoun there, in verse 33 is the same group that is in verse 30, the so-called believers. That's the first point that I want to make. A simple connection of pronouns connects verse 30 to verse 33. Now the things Jesus said make sense if they're the same group of people because when they believed on him, his response to them was, if, if there is something else you need to be doing, if ye continue in my word, then are ye... You that think you're believing on me, you that think you've come into some, to come to some understanding about me, if ye continue in my word, in my doctrine and in my requirements of men's lives, then, then, not now, ye shall be disciples indeed, real disciples, true disciples, genuine disciples, the real thing. Until you do that, you're not. That's all implied there in verse 31 and verse 32. If you follow me and continue in my word, ye shall know the truth. You don't know it yet, and the truth shall make you free. You're not free yet. There's a whole lot Jesus says in those two verses about believers. For those of us that have been in organized religion, Christianity, conservative, independent, Baptist churches, most of our lives, we have seen so many Believers. And those believers have not had changed lives. They did not continue in the Word. And it is a terrible dilemma for those that preach that easy believism, quick prayerism, make a decision, invite Jesus into your heart religion, which isn't taught anywhere in the Bible. And the few verses that they do use as sound bites are taken out of context. The inviting Jesus into your heart in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 has nothing to do with sinners and it has nothing to do with salvation. It is addressed to a church that thought themselves very successful and prosperous but did not have a personal fellowship in that church with the Lord Jesus Christ and they were the ones that were to invite him in. But those men, I'm speaking right now about Charles Finney and Billy Graham. From Finney to Billy Graham. These two men invented the invitational system. No one ever practiced an invitational system in any Baptist church anywhere in the world before Charles Finney, the Presbyterian, and Billy Graham, the Presbyterian. They both were great crowd manipulators, and they manipulated men into believing. With Charles Finney, it was to come forward to a morning bench. And it was that act of coming forward to that morning bench that supposedly got your name written down in glory, even though the Bible says every name in the book of life was written there from the foundation of the world. Both men have been studied by other men coming after them and looking at their evangelistic methods and have found out that the numbers of those living, even living nominal Christian lives that made a decision for Jesus is very small percentages like two. We live in a time where I can't hide in a library with books about Charles Finney and Billy Graham that you can't check out with a simple Google search. Go check out Finney, Scorched Earth New York, and find out how that man destroyed the outstate part of New York by his false Arminianism and quick decisionism getting results like John 8:30, Many believed. Many go forward at Billy Graham crusades. You get a football player up there, a popular NFL quarterback, maybe a Tim Tebow. He's not very popular. He wasn't a good quarterback. But you get somebody up there. They make a profession. You have somebody sing some nice music. You've got Billy Graham, who had a charismatic personality, great delivery, good-looking man, Southern drawl, and he's able to present the gospel and thousands come forward after they follow the plants because those crusades would have plants that would get up first and come down the aisles. And once you felt like part of a movement like that, you could go forward, invite Jesus into your heart and go home any way you'll, and live any way you want. And that's what's happened to most such converts like that. But not the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Notice what he said. He didn't say in John chapter 8 and verse 31... Your names are in the book of life, folks. Just remember this day. Remember this moment when you believed on me. Everything is set for time and eternity. It doesn't matter how you live from now on. You can look back at this decision and you can preach each other into heaven when you hold their funerals. Jesus didn't say anything like that. Jesus responded, if you haven't done it yet, if ye continue in my word... Then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Most commentators cannot have it this way, that those in verse 33 are the same as those in verse 30, 31, and 32. They can't have it that way because they esteem faith too highly. Faith is not very high in the New Testament. When faith is made high in the book of Romans, chapters 3 and 4 particularly, and the book of Galatians, chapters 3 and 4 particularly, it's because the apostle Paul is fighting Jewish legalism. And that is those that thought their salvation depended upon them keeping the law of Moses and being circumcised. And so thus, Paul would Paul emphasized the faith of Abraham because Abraham was declared to be a just man by his faith and good works before he was circumcised, and 430 years before God gave the law to Moses. Abraham and his faith were just a great example to crush Jewish legalism. But when there's a writer in the New Testament that has to deal with easy believism, he writes entirely differently. He writes like James. James writes in James chapter 2 and says, can faith save him? Not a chance. The devils believe and tremble faith without works is dead. Are you kidding? Don't you know that Abraham was justified by works? Don't you know that Rahab was justified by works? And so it's a very different answer. Now we have a situation here. And so men, my point was that most commentators emphasize faith too much and underemphasize works. We don't work our way to heaven. We don't add to our place in heaven by works. We don't guarantee our place in heaven by works. It's all by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the grace of God and the good pleasure of his will that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But we lay hold of eternal life for our assurance and the evidence of it by good works, not by faith, by good works. God gives us faith. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, he gives us faith and we're to add to that faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, and a knowledge patience, and a patience temperance, and a temperance godliness, and brotherly kindness, and charity. The Bible tells us there's this progression in a Christian's life, and if you don't have it, you don't have the evidence of salvation. But if we do these things, if we do these things, then there shall be an abundant entrance into heaven given to us, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. through 11. And we should give all diligence... To make our calling and our election sure by doing those things. Taking the faith and adding to it virtue, knowledge, patience, godliness, temperance, brotherly, kindness, charity. And so Jesus is teaching the same thing right here. If ye continue in my word. If you grow and advance in godliness as I teach, you will be my disciples indeed. There's no words of comfort or encouragement before the chapter ends. If you read past this point, there are no words of comfort or encouragement or promise to these so-called believers because these believers are going to turn on him and they already have turned in the four verses I've read. Because he mentioned freedom, these nationalistic, don't ever let being an American cloud your judgment. These nationalistic Jews in their arrogance could not handle the word that he was telling them, they were slaves. They were servants. They were in bondage because they thought that they were Israelites. Now, you and I have laughed about this passage many times before because while they're saying the words, we've never been in bondage to any man, the Roman iron boots were clanking on their streets and sidewalks. Unbelievable. But that's how ignorant men can be, how arrogant they can be, and how proud they can be. Lord, save us from all such pride. Let us recognize that we're all slaves. We're slaves to sin, just like Jesus said in verse 34. But there's no words of comfort or encouragement here. I'm explaining why we take the interpretive choice that the plural pronoun they in verse 33 is the same group as in verse 30. John had recorded a false and temporal faith in many believers several times in this book, and I shared that with you earlier today so we saved that time. Where was it? John 2, what verses? The last three, verses 23 through 25, it said many believed in his name. He would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in man and he did not need anyone to explain to him what was in them. He knew they were not sincere believers. When a sincere believer would come along, like Nicodemus in the next chapter, would Jesus commit himself to him? Yes, indeed. He shared deep, extensive, spiritual truth with Nicodemus. How about a woman of Samaria? Would Jesus commit himself to a woman? He did. John chapter 4. He's not going commit, to commit himself to these men. He is going to confront them. If you continue, then you're my disciples, you're real disciples. You haven't proven that or shown that yet. Lord, we submit ourselves to your word. Yeah. We submit ourselves to the rules of interpretation that you've given us in the word of God. We've got a pronoun, a plural pronoun in verse 33. We don't see any reason to change it from that group of plural people in verse 30 that believed on you. Right. We can see how you addressed them, that you didn't promise them anything, that you didn't rejoice or celebrate with them. You just told them what the real measure of a disciple was. And the real measure of spiritual progress was to have freedom from sin. And they did not like your message because they're the ones that answered him in verse 33. I hope that you remember John 2, 23 through 25. You're going to need it with people when you're explaining passages like this, and you're going to need it with them when we talk about easy believism. We, we can't stand easy believism and what's happened because of Charles Finney and Billy Graham and D.L. Moody and Jack Hiles and others that have just gone to seed. Jack Hiles was such a joke, taking Charles Finney and Billy Graham's methods and just going to an extreme with them. Just ridiculous extreme. And yet he's looked at the guru of soul winning by many independent Baptists. We want to see what the Word of God teaches about real soul winning, and we want to see what it means to be a real disciple. And it's not to hear the gospel, it's not to believe the gospel, it's not to profess I know him, it's to keep his commandments. And it's to add to our faith all those things up to the items that are much harder than faith. The devils believe and tremble, but there's something the devils don't do that you just had preached to you for about six or eight sermons a few weeks ago, and that is love is the greatest, or Christian charity. Brotherly kindness and charity. That's by far harder. Now abided faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. It's not faith. Anybody can believe. Any devil can believe. The devils do believe. The devils profess, profess with their mouths the Lord Jesus. The devils, every time they saw the Lord Jesus Christ, would fall down and worship him. And profess, we know who thou art. Thou art the Holy One of God. Art thou come to torment us before the time? They know the Lord Jesus Christ. They know his authority as king. They know Bible prophecy. They know that they're going to be cast in the lake of fire. They know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do it. And they knew that it wasn't time yet for that to happen when Jesus was on earth at his first coming. Now that's a lot of Bible knowledge and a lot of conviction about it because they were on their faces worshiping Jesus when they said it. But it didn't get them very far, did it? They're all going to the lake of fire because the lake of fire is a place prepared for the devil and his angels according to Matthew chapter 25. It was made for them. Brethren, the point that we need to leave with today and what Jonathan prayed for us just a little while ago is that we have changed lives. What the Lord has given us today in John 8 is verse 12. I am the light of the world, he that followeth me. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And he's given us verse 31. If ye continue in my word... Then are ye my disciples indeed. We are going to go out of here. My wife is going to disappoint me. I am going to hurt my wife's feelings, most likely. Let's, let's reverse the order. I'm just picking on my wife and me for the moment. Do you know how many events are going to happen before you get to go to sleep tonight on your pillow? You are going to be tempted to do different things that are contrary to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us, right now, commit ourselves that we are going to go out of this place and we are going to be disciples indeed. We are going to continue in His word. Our thoughts are going to tempt us to think ungodly thoughts. This untamed, wild creature right here hanging in my mouth is going to want to fly off and say something that it shouldn't say. We're going to want to go do something that we shouldn't watch something that we shouldn't surf the internet look at that smartphone text foolishly you know what the bible says about foolish talking and jesting in ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 it compares it to uncleanness fornication adultery right and that god is coming to judge the world because of foolish talking and jesting we are going to be tempted instead of sitting in here and comforting ourselves until next Sunday that we're Christians because we sang, Jesus, I my cross have taken, let's actually pick up some wood and carry something. Let's pick up the cross and carry it. Jesus was nailed to it in graphic horror and pain like we heard this morning from Psalm 22. Your little cost of denying yourself will result in blessings in your life. It's not really suffering. It only appears to be suffering before you pick the cross up. Once you pick the cross up, you find out this is pretty light because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's light once you pick it up. But you've got to pick it up and do what Jesus said. Then we can be true believers. Otherwise, we're giving a bunch of intellectual assent, and I appreciate, Austin, your repetition of that fact, that we get all excited about this intellectual knowledge that we have from the Word of God. That doesn't mean anything. The devils can, could out-argue us at any point on any point of doctrine, any point in time, on any point of doctrine. We want to have changed lives. We want these verses to apply to us that we fulfill the condition, if ye continue in my word. That is not intellectual continuing, that is following, that is walking, that is following by your life, your lifestyle, your speech, your thoughts are like the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. This is what we need. If we fail this, there is a great, greater burden on us than was on these men, and do you know what Jesus Christ did to these men 40 years later? Mm-hmm. He had the Roman legions come and surround their city. And dig a trench and besiege them in from every side, until they ate their babies, like prophesied in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And the blood flew and the-, the blood flowed in those streets. It was the greatest tribulation the world had ever seen to that point and has ever seen. Nothing happened in World War II to even come close to what happened in Jerusalem. 1.1 million died inside the city. Hiroshima was 67,000. Nagasaki was 67, 68, 72,000. They never felt anything. They were gone, vaporized. Those people ate their babies, 1.1 million, as Jesus Christ leveled that city, in his words, because they knew not the time of their visitation. God sent his son to visit them. That son preached, that son fed, that son healed. That son was perfect in every way. They blasphemed him at every turn. He leveled them to the ground. That second temple was ripped to the ground. He opened that veil, showing what was accomplished on the cross. They sewed that thing back up and crucified the Lord of glory. What do we deserve in America for the lax, effeminate, compromising, carnal, worldly brand of Christianity sweeping these shores? It was different when I was a boy... And I know I'm old to some of you, but I can't believe how fast it's changed in the last 50 years. 50 years ago, Temple Baptist in Detroit, Michigan. 5,000. Every woman with a hat on. I'm not saying you need to wear a hat, but I'm trying to tell you how conservative they were. Every woman in that church with a hat on. And I don't care if they were Arminians. They'd get in that pulpit and they'd thunder from a King James Bible and preach against sin. Preach against the world. Preach against it in detail. There is no Temple Baptist in Detroit. That church moved 30 miles to the suburbs and renamed itself Northridge, and it's a nightclub, pretending that it's a church, like so many others. Let's hold the ground. Let's hold fast. We are in the perilous times of the last days. If we're going to be believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, let's live for him. You will get opportunities. I just used my wife and me for an example. I hope that neither of that, that doesn't happen on either end. You could look at me with a little more support. <laughs> <laughs> Only to relieve the tension do I do that. We're wild inside. Yes, amen. But there's power by the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, we can do whatever he has asked us to do. And I just, let, me, let me repeat myself from Matthew 11. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Do you know what John would write in 1 John chapter 5? His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are the way to perfect and optimize life. To do it just his way. Everything just his way. Not only pleases God, but will give you the most that life can possibly give you to do it his way. That is called win-win. But it's better than that because other people see our changed lives and it encourages them or it condemns them depending on the case of their souls. And so it's win-win-win. We get to adorn the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Men glorify God for our good works, all for his glory and the glory of his son Jesus Christ. Much more can be said, much more will be said. John, that most people go to looking for a simple word belief is all I got to do stuff? John has more criticism of false believers than any other book in the New Testament. You just got to read it. You can't go looking for sound bites. You've got to read and study the whole thing. And it's a warning to us. Our purpose here isn't to bash Arminians. See, that's just a temptation of the flesh to bash Arminians. We need to bash ourselves. Are we going to go out and pick up that cross and nail ourselves to it and live for the Lord Jesus. Are we going to be crucified to the world like Paul read to us from Galatians 6.14? God forbid that we should glory in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto us and we unto the world. Amen. We agree. They can hate us because we're different. We hate them because they're different. We want to live for Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. Help us to do that, Lord. Yes. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.